the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Colombian-American actress and producer Paula Garces has been breaking down barriers and opening doors for Latinos in Hollywood for many years. Paula was one of the first Latinas to star in daytime soaps like All My Children and The Guiding Light. Her other credits include The Shield, Defying Gravity, Warehouse 13, and Devious Maids. Paula has also starred in blockbuster hits like Dangerous Minds, Clock Stoppers, and the cult classic film franchise Harold and Kumar. You may recognize Paula from the Netflix original hit series On My Block. Paula will be the first Latina superhero to have her own video game, with a comic book turned video game, Aluna Sentinel of the Shards. So welcome to the show, Paula. How are you? Thank you. I am great, actually. <laughs> Good. You know, the beginning of quarantine was a little rough uh, because I'm home with kids and I was homeschooling. And I'm sure like every other stay-at-home mom, uh, we were just, you know, thrown into the fire. And we all thought, you know, I always think I'm, I'm messing everything up. <laughs> You know, um, but but you know, I'm hanging in there now. I but think I'm that's getting the swing in, of it. That's in true mom nature. I feel the same way too all the time. I only have a seven month old, but still, like, I'm always like, am I doing things right? Am I doing things wrong? Like, I, you know, I judge myself, but I'm doing the best I can. Quarantine is hard. Alexandra, I love how you say I only have a seven seven month old. Girl, please don't say that too loud. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like I, I'm not dealing, but I'm not dealing with, but I'm not dealing with homeschooling because I see my friends that that I, we that I work with, and I'm like, I don't know how you guys do are able to actually do work and also help homeschool. That's insane to me. Yeah, I mean, I've always tried to be very conscious of how amazing our teachers are, but I think this has really slapped us all in the face. <laughs> For sure. And basically uh, let us know, like, we should be kissing our teacher's feet. <laughs> it's so, I know that sounds mm-hmm. a little strange right now, but honestly, we should be like, oh, thank you for everything that you do, because it's super, super hard. I mean, I'm obviously stating the obvious, um, but it's not until this experience that I really realized every single facet of teaching is extremely hard, and it's a labor of love, and angels all around the world are really doing that job and they deserve our much needed respect so so true so true they're so underappreciated so that actually is going to bring me to my first question to you so how were you as a kid like how was little paula like Oh my God, super inquieta. I was definitely, for those that don't speak Spanish, I just couldn't stay still. I had to do things all at the same time. I'm still like that. Um, Impatient, um, a big dreamer. I always, I don't know, from a young girl, I knew that I wanted to perform. I wanted to be seen. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be heard. Uh, I just didn't know exactly in what capacity. So as a little girl, I tried dancing, I tried art, I tried music. And then I realized that I like to eat empanadas and arepas too much. So I couldn't be a true ballerina. <laughs> right. So uh, acting was like the next big, like the next best thing. And um, it just kind of honestly, I, I hate to say this, but I got really lucky from the beginning. I started auditioning like any young actor here in New York. 
And I got my first, I want to say I did a, like the first, out of the first 15 auditions, I got five. And if I told you the people that I got to work with <laughs> the first five jobs, you would be like, that's insane. That doesn't happen to anybody, but it happened to me. Actually, um, some of my first auditions included big directors like Martin Scorsese. Wow. I did a public service announcement that was directed by Mr. Martin Scorsese back in the in the 80s. Yes, I'm a relic, but <laughs> I started acting when, in in 88. So, uh, so wow, I, you look so young, Paula. You do. Thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, so I did a public service announcement with Martin Scorsese. I did an AT&T commercial directed by Spike Lee. Wow. That's so random. That's so random. I didn't even know who these people were back then, by the way. Back then, I was just glad to get, like, like, I'm getting paid for this. All right. right. You know, (laughs) basically like that. Um, I grew up in Spanish Harlem. Um, Mom of, uh, my mom was a mom of two girls, single mom. And basically, her mission was for us not to get in trouble. So she wanted us to embrace the arts and be entertained in different things. And so she was the one really who pushed me to audition and and pursue acting. And so in the beginning, it came quite easily to me in the beginning, Um, but I did have very hard falls. Like for example, I did a movie called Dangerous Minds. Um, so, 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 so let me backtrack. So going back to your first question, um, yeah, I was trying to do it all at the same time, but I was also the type of person that um, I obviously couldn't concentrate. Uh, I, was, I definitely had a bit of ADD, and I, I still do now. And um, so school really didn't go well for me. I got pregnant at 17, had a baby at 18, but um, I didn't let anything stop me. Even back then, um, when I when I was starting to act and I started and I started getting TV shows like um, New York Undercover and Law and Order, those were big shows here in New York back back in the days. And I was getting I was getting guest star roles in those shows. And then I got pregnant, and my agents were like, "Wow, you're screwing up your career! Like you're basically messing up your life," you know. But I didn't really think that way. I, I thought I was capable of doing everything. I thought I was, you know, I was having my baby. I was working. I was going to be a big star in Hollywood one day. I mean, that was my mindset, even from a teenager. And so when I did get a movie, uh, my daughter was almost two. Uh, I did get a huge movie, Dangerous Minds, where I got to act, uh, you know, very closely with Michelle Pfeiffer and... Her baby had play dates with my baby. I was like, I made it. This is it. I am here, you know. Um, After that movie, I didn't book anything for a very long time. And I had to get back to, I went on welfare again. I had to go back on food stamps. So I had, my career has been up and down. So in the beginning, I had, I had very big highs, you know, straight away. And I had a lot of luck in the beginning, but then I had to deal with some uh, really big lows, and I wasn't prepared for that, but I think I'm. I'm now that now in hindsight, looking back, those those lows really uh, taught me some big lessons. That you you have to be not only prepared for your successes, but you also have to be prepared for those big falls. Um, and I think that goes across the board. I mean, especially for women in business, um, that's a big lesson. 
But I think all across the board, if you're a person that has your own business, if you're an entrepreneur, an entertainer, somebody that basically has to constantly reinvent themselves, constantly um, sell something or a product or create, uh, this is something that you, you always have to deal with. You have to deal with ups and downs and you basically got to gotta roll with the punches. And so that's, that's something that I have learned even from, my, from a young age. Um, so I don't know if I, if I, if I answered your question, but that, yeah, but that's how, that's how basically I was as a kid. I was impatient, a huge dreamer. I believed in myself wholeheartedly, uh, even blind. So even when I was pregnant and taking the train and, and six months pregnant on, on, on the six from Harlem going to my auditions, I still thought like, it could be possible. Like, it, it, why not? Why not me? It doesn't matter if I am from Harlem. It doesn't matter uh, if I'm a Latina. It doesn't matter if I'm not like a size two or whatever. Um, there is, there's gonna be a story that should be told by me. And even back then, when it wasn't like so cute to be a Latina, like it wasn't so. Uh, <laughs> there weren't so many opportunities as there are now. Uh, and even now, I complain that there's very few opportunities like I, I feel like there should be more you know um but yeah but that that was how I was so your big break was dangerous minds and then well that's what you mentioned right now right yes yes yeah I want to say that was a big break that was a huge break but then I had a a, a big lull there were where there was nothing years how long, how long was that years so I want to say years, yeah, because, you know, I would book little things here and there, like a commercial or a guest spot here and there, but it really wasn't until, I want to say, 99, 98 or 99, where I got a series regular on a, on a novella, well, on a soap opera, an American soap opera called Guiding Light. Huge and I was, I was the first, I was part of the first Latina family to ever be featured a series regulars in an American television novella. And that was like a huge deal. That that got me my first Latina cover. And it was like and it was that and it was after, like I told you, you know, being in dangerous minds, thinking, oh I'm a I'm a star, and then nothing. And then like going back to welfare and food stamps and then I would waitress and and you know try to audition and really didn't get a lot of stuff. And then boom I get I get like the nine to five of acting, which is a soap opera gig. And I want to say that again was like my second revival of like, okay, you are an actor. You're but acting every day and you're, you're, you're doing it nine to five. So you could still come home to your baby and you can, I could still be a mom. And it was a paycheck every week. And I didn't have to waitress anymore. I didn't have to be on food stamps or, you know, or, or, or be on, on, on public assistance. And so to me, I feel like I had two big breaks, Dangerous Minds and then that novella. And then from there, I transitioned into movies because I, I got Clockstoppers in 2001. And that was another big first because the, um, that was uh, produced by Nickelodeon and Paramount Pictures at the time. And they hadn't really had a Latina uh, star, you know, in, in like, like the movie was myself and Jesse Bradford. 
So it was like a first big one. And then another thing that was big about that movie is that it was specifically written for a South American girl. Like the girl wasn't Mexican or, or Puerto Rican or Caribbean. It was like, no, she was from South America. So I was like, wow, you know, they're, they're opening their minds. Like Latinos aren't just Mexican and Puerto Rican. They're, they're, you know, there's other flavors, which is me, you know? So, um, again, I, I've done, I feel like I've been part of a, like a lot of firsts. That's I'm what I was just going to say. I was going to say that you were the first also on The Shield, right? Yes. I get, I, and yes. I, I love the story because I heard it on another podcast. And I really want you to share the story about how your agents or your manager didn't think that you would be right for a role. And you were just like, no, I need to audition. I want to audition. And you got it. So you want to share that experience? I think it's super important for our listeners to hear that story of perseverance. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't think that's something that is very just innate me. I think it's something that um, as far as perseverance goes, I think uh, is something that is very Latin and in our culture. And I would love people um, to embrace the idea that it's a very immigrant thing. To, to be a person that works hard and perseveres. So any immigrant in this country, if people think that they're coming here to get a free ride, that is not the mindset of an immigrant. So my grandmother came here in the 50s alone by herself, and she worked very hard for everything she got. And that's what she taught my mother to do, and then my mom, that's what she taught me, taught me to do. And I feel like it's a very Latina thing. Like, when someone tells you no, it's like it makes me want to do it more. And I'm not, I'm not the only one. I've heard a lot of Latinas say that, like, oh, they told me I can't do it. They told me no. Now I'm really going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so true. Going back to the story is, well, this is how the story goes. The story goes is um, I, I got on The Shield because I was a fan of the show first. I was, I was watching it. And I was like, wow, this show is amazing. Like, this is this is the type of TV I would watch, right? And then I was like, wait a minute. This is about the LAPD and there's not one Latina cop on the show? Like, there's something wrong with the show. <laughs> and this is how I, my mindset was when I was younger. Obviously, I was much younger when I was on the show. And um, I was like, I got to fix this. <laughs> and basically, that's what I did. I flew myself out to LA and I told my manager and my agent like hey get me an audition on this show you know like work it for me and they were like no you're not the type of person that they like to put on the, to cast on the show and I was like what you mean look at all of this and I can act and you know and they were like no 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 you're too pretty you're too this I mean like all the excuses that they give any actor and like, of course, I'm like, wait, I'm an actor. You want me to be like this or like that or whatever. You just tell me and I could be like that. Right. Uh, anyway, long story short or long story long, <laughs> my agent finally gets me an audition. I go in the room and I do the exact thing that an actor should never do. I basically pitched myself of why I'm awesome for this show. And how I'm going to fix your show. <laughs> I'm telling a group of men, by the way, all men, mostly white male over 40 at the time or were 30 at the time. And uh, yeah, I was telling them, listen, I don't know what you guys are doing here. I mean, yeah, I know you, you think you're cute because you got a whole bunch of Golden Globes and stuff. But like you're doing a show about the LAPD and you got not one 
Latina LAPD cop. I mean, at least a rookie uniform cop on your show. Like, that's crazy. Go outside. It's full of Latinas on the force, you know, and they're fierce and they look like me. They're super cute. They're <laughs> tiny and they're out there kicking butt. <laughs> anyway, um, so I did and then I auditioned and I, and I was only supposed to do one um, one episode. But like you guys have already noticed, I have a very big mouth and I uh, made it my business to talk to everybody, to learn as much as I could. And yeah, I talk a lot, but I also listen. And so I listened. I kind of kind of got to see what the politics was. It was mostly a male cast, a male crew, but super respectful. And they were very interested in what I had to say. And I guess they thought I was cute. Like, wow, look at her. <laughs> you know, she has no fear. I had no fear back then. And, uh, and I just talked to, to the writers a lot. And I asked them, like, where are these stories coming from? How do you want, want your show to be like or whatever? And then I would tell them, listen, I grew up. I didn't grow up in L.A. like this, but I grew up in Spanish Harlem. Same difference. And this is what I saw. This was my experience with the cops. And this is how I have a lot of family in, in NYPD. And this is what they tell me and blah, blah, blah. And, and I also spoke to a lot of LAPD. I did some research and blah, blah, blah. So before I even got on the show, I guess what I would love to for young people and for, and for anybody who's trying to do anything is to do your research. And because you will, there will be a moment where you least expect it, where somebody that can do something is going to listen to you and they're going to see if you have something to say. And if you do have something to say, it better, it better be correct or at least, or at least creative, at least, at least passionate. And so I think those moments happened to me and thank God I, I was prepared. Because that was something that, again, it's that immigrant mentality that if, if you're going to do something, you better do it better than anybody else. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be super. It, it can't just be, you can't just come half-assed. It's got to be like, you got to research it. You got to live it. You got you to gotta then make sure that you're working not just 9 to 5. You got to work 24-7 to make it happen. And so back then I was very driven, even, even though I was a single mom. Um, I was driven for, for whatever I wanted to do at the time. And at the time I wanted to act and I wanted to make sure I stood employed because I didn't want to go back on public assistance. I didn't want to go back on food stamps and I definitely didn't want to go back to my family. Like, Oh, I can't make a living out of acting anymore. So I got to take this job or that job. Like it just seemed like I just didn't want to feel that failure again. And so uh, it, it just, it drove me. It drove, it, that, that was definitely not only my child, but, but that fear of like going backwards was, was definitely a big, a big push for me. So is that why you think that you also kind of opened up your resume and diversified it a bit by also getting into producing and learning that side of the business as well? I feel Absolutely. That. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Gabby, because... After a while, um, as you know, like especially in entertainment for actors, after you get one gig, you it's a little easier for you to get another and another. And that happened to me for a little while. So after I got the Shield, I got a series regular on ABC, and then this and then this happened and that happened, and I did some movies, and the movies did well, and so I was doing well, you know. And but then I started to notice again the lack of opportunity 
for other brown people like me, you know, and I felt an obligation. I mean, believe it or not, even back in 2008, I kept talking to friends and publicists and creatives and all these people that I that I would meet and they were brilliant with no opportunity. I mean, not even just in front of the camera. I'm talking about like behind the camera, like as far as directing or producing or creating or writing. And I, I was just, it, it, it pissed me off. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if I could speak bluntly, it did. And so I created, I co-created a show um, called uh, The Mundo's Look. And that was my first taste into producing and creating and sort of show running and really seeing how, like, what it takes to, to keep a show running and um, sold it to NBC Universal. And in the beginning, they thought, oh, this might be really cool for Telemundo because I, I, I speak Spanish really well and stuff like that. But then they, I, they realized that what I wanted to do was to bring new talent, not just established talent that the Telemundo audience was used to. I wanted to also bring up and coming people and I wanted to really in, like really inject the Caribbean as well, not just the Mexican side, but also the Caribbean, the Colombian. And, I, and I'm a fan, even though I'm not a musician, I'm, a, I'm like a wannabe singer, right? So I, I'm a huge fan of music. And reggaeton at the time was just, just starting to pop. And I, and I wanted to give those artists kind of like a platform. And that's what I did. And so they were like, you know what? This sounds more like a Mundos thing, which used to be like a bilingual kind of MTV type of type of network. And it did really well. It did really well for two years. And it's, did, you, did you produce The Roof? Did I what? Did you produce The Roof? No, I did not. I have oh. a lot of friends. And I used to love that show. And I was yeah. like, ooh, I want to be one of the yeah. two dancers on the roof next to the DJ, right? But then I was like, no. You know, I, I, I saw that show and I said, no. You know what I want to do? My show was kind of, it was inspired by, um, uh, by Cindy Crawford's House of Style. Got it. That's mm -hmm. basically how I pitched it. I was like, picture a Latina Cindy Crawford House of Style. So picture me... Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Come yeah, on, you know what we Latinas do? We like picture me, you know. <laughs> minus, minus the mole. Te lo pintas. Te lo pintas, yeah. <laughs> minus the supermodel. <laughs> right. You're so funny, yeah. Basically me, not Cindy. <laughs> picture me. But you know, house of style, and I'm gonna be in Fashion Week, and then I'm gonna be, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna go. So this was hilarious. This is exactly how I pitched it. And meanwhile, I had, I had no connections to Romeo or anything, because um, at the time, um, oh my God, it's, it's escaping my head. What was the group that Romeo? Aventura. Aventura. Okay, so Aventura was like popping back then, right? Everybody. Yes, they were. Was like, picture me and Romeo going to to fashion week and we're gonna sit front row and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna interview him about fashion and style but me these two Latinos are gonna be like front row in Bryan Park at Fashion Week. And they were like, you could do that and I was like, yes <laughs> <laughs> You know Paula, you were ahead of your time because this oh. is totally ahead of your time because totally. this is what we're doing now and what all of the networks and all of like the record labels they want music in Spanish, they love the reggaeton. That is what that is what is pop now. So you were ahead of your time. 
I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound super annoying, but been there, done that. Oh, <laughs> you were so right. Out. Go check out the Mundos look. I I did everything with everybody, and guess what? I got to go to Fashion Week with Romeo, and we hit it up, and it was great. <laughs> but it's so crazy. Too loud as Latino yeah. Fashion Week. <laughs> Isn't it great to see where they are today, right? And you amazing. knew them for- Amazing, amazing. And what's amazing is that, uh, honestly, a lot, I know I know that people don't won't believe me, but a lot of them, when they do see me, they're like, oh my God, thank you. Because believe it or not, like being on the Mundus look, honestly gave us like a respectability because I would, honestly, that was, it, it was like, why not reggaeton on- on fashion week why not you know of why course, not? like now 20 i mean 12 years later you know they're begging for reggaeton on fa- fashion yeah. week. <laughs> i love it you know but but this is what we were doing i mean we were doing and then i would be like yeah and then i'm gonna get snoop dog and i'm gonna teach him how to kind of speak sexy to a girl in, in spanish and they were like you could do that and i was like yes <laughs> me and snoop go way back i didn't know snoop. i didn't know snoop. <laughs> I don't know. You couldn't, even, you couldn't even like slide into his DM because there was no Instagram at right. that time. No, 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 no. And honestly, had I, look, look at this, had I started my Instagram back then, can you imagine all the followers I would have had now? I had right. no time back then. I was like, I was trying to get to Snoop <laughs> <laughs> But I did. I finally did. And I taught him, I taught him how to speak in Spanish in, in our interview. And it was, and you know, and and th- these are the things that basically you do as a as a as a woman, uh, especially. And then you and then you got to put the brownness on top of it. That's another level. And you basically, you know, you fake it till you make it, right? And then you and then you use your resources because then, when I did sell the show, uh, my team, which is basic, was basically me and my co-producer and my <laughs> and, and another girl where we. We used to have meetings in, in, in our cars, you know, back then, because <laughs> we didn't have an office. And they were like, okay, so we sold it. Now we got, I'm like, all right, guys, so let's get Snoop. Let's get Aventura. <laughs> and they were like, how? And I'm like, don't worry, we could do this. Come on, we could do this. We can do this. And we did, and we did, and we did. And I'm super proud. Um, I'm so I'm so I was re- I'm re- the reason why I bring that show up is because I'm going to I want to get back to your point. Um we got to hire Latinos behind the camera, Latino directors, sound, women women camera people, uh editors that were women, um uh our stylist, my my co-stylist, my co-host on the show, uh his name was um Jorge Ramon, which was uh, which is a uh, Puerto Rican, he was a Puerto Rican stylist at the time that was doing really cool things, and it was just like I was just like this is this is beautiful. This is what I mean. Like I'm actually getting my people paid to do something that they're super passionate about and do it a hundred th- times better because of the lack of opportunity. Right? Once you get your opportunity, you 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 want to really show the world like. The, you know, this is what you've been missing. You know what I mean? So um, it was done really well. I did that for two years. And that was my first taste into producing. Okay, we're going to take a really quick break. And we'll be right back. 
I don't know about you, Alex, but sometimes working from home leaves me drained, tired. End of the day, all I want to just sit, relax, and pour myself a glass of wine. I totally agree with you. I just, everyone knows I just had a baby. So I'm definitely working all day and then chasing after a six month old who's actually just starting to crawl. So there's nothing that I look forward to more than having a nice refreshing glass of wine at the end of the day, just so that I can unwind. Well, shout out to our sponsors, Usual Wines, for sponsoring this toast. So what are you drinking? I'm actually having the rosé today. Oh, me too. I oh, love yeah. it. It's, it's my so favorite. Good. So delicious. And what I love most is the bottle. The bottle is so chic, so beautiful. And it's especially just for that one person that just wants to have one drink and doesn't want to commit to the full bottle. So I love that. It's like a kind of like a to-go little bottle that you just put in your purse, maybe not while you're driving. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to like a special occasion or something and you don't want to over drink, it's perfect size. Absolutely. And you know what I love the most is that it's low carb, zero sugar, because I mean, I just had a baby, so I am watching what I drink and eat. So this is actually perfect for somebody like me. Um, all of their wines are delicious. You guys have to try them. They have given us a special code just for you guys, all of our listeners. It's Girls Gone Boss. You can go to usualwines.com, plug that in for your first glass on us and $8 off of your first order. Enjoy. Back to like diversifying Hollywood and all that. I love that you took it into your own hands to hire Latino talent. I mean, because I also think it's important to when you're talking to the Latino audience is to have somebody that's writing and producing for us that speaks to us, that understands us, that knows the lingo, that understands what those like funny and not so appropriate stereotypes are about that we're so tired of seeing representing right. us, which are not who we really are. So exactly. it's really important to put brown people behind productions and and movies and you know have writers to represent us correctly so i love that you're doing that you did that in the beginning from way back then yeah i mean and look i'm still i'm still fighting the good fight it, it's still not easy to find uh latino writers especially so I, i'm definitely like doing a call to action if I may, uh, if anybody is interested in writing, like right now is an amazing time because there is a huge, huge void, a huge lack of Latino writers. And then you throw the female in there and forget about it. So, so yeah, it's something that I really struggle with because I have a lot of creative ideas, but I, I don't consider myself a writer, you know? Um, I respect that. Uh, vocation a lot it takes a lot to be a writer and to be able to write dialogue and you know situations and make it work um so i'm constantly struggling with that like if if i could find a, a you know at least three latino writers they would definitely always be in business with me so that's a call to action if i may on your show no like everyone's listening <laughs> yeah like for, like for example um you know uh, so so at the same time, um, I was invited to Comic-Con back then uh, in 2009, I want to say 2008, 2009. And I was I was very busy with the look and things like that. And and, and I was doing, I, I had just gotten hired uh, to be a series regular on an ABC show. that It only lived to, for one series, but it, I worked very long on it in, in Vancouver, in Canada. It was called Defying Gravity, which again... I was I was one of the first Latina actresses to ever be casted as an astronaut, as oh, a scientist. Damn. Yes, 
So this, this show was called Defying Gravity, and it was about the International Space Station and how these astronauts were going to live in this space station. And it was kind of like, picture a Grey's Anatomy, but in space, right? That's like what ABC does, right? And I was super, uh, like, I was so hyped about that. You have no idea. You would have thought I was really in the movie The Right Stuff because I was like, <laughs> give me my space suit now. <laughs> <laughs> so back then I was like still really busy but again my ADD would always kick in and I went I, I, I got an opportunity to go to Comic Con and I was like I didn't know what the hell Comic Con was about I got there and my mind exploded because talk about ADD and everything at the same time and everything to like the thousand power right like extra everything is extra at Comic Con and it's accepted I was like yeah I'm home <laughs> <laughs> because I know that people look you know people have this perception of who I am like right like you know as a Latina actress you already get like what's the first stereotype ooh sexy right you mm-hmm. know all Latin pretty much all Latina actresses that in Hollywood check you know like oh yeah you know <laughs> sexy check <laughs> And, and by the way, that's the stereotype that we don't complain about. We're like, all right. <laughs> if you must speak truth. Right. <laughs> right? But, um, but honestly, like, I was there and I was like, oh, my God. Because um, anybody who knows me knows I'm a geek. Like, I'm still, like, I have Disney plush right now. And I'm, like, geeking out on Star Wars, right? Like, I'm catching up on all my Star Wars movies. But anyway, Comic-Con 2008, and I was like, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw, like, all these brown families and, like, the mom and the dad and the kids and everybody's dressing up and buying so much stuff. And then I very quickly, of course, noticed, like, the negative, right? I was like, wait a minute. Everybody's buying everything. Everybody's like, yeah, having fun and everything. But there's like not one superhero. And I went up and down those aisles and I was like, not one superhero that really represents us the right way. And then I was like, wait a minute. How about a Latina superhero? And I was like, nothing. I couldn't find anything. This was in 2008. And I was super pissed. Again, I was pissed. I was like, what is this? Like, hello, like. We would be like, I mean, a Latina superhero like Wonder Woman would like kick ass, right? We, yeah. We got, we got all the strife. We got all, we got the list of why we would be pissed and why we would be amazing, right? Right. Because we, we are FBI, CIA, we are moms, we are dads, we are, you know, scientists, we are police, we are everything, right? So I was like, no, this cannot be happening. This is not cool. Again, I think I was a little ahead of my time. I, it was, it wasn't a moment yet. But we started out slow. I created my 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 people. You know, I want to see my family, my friends, uh, my team, also creatives, my managers, agents. They were like, don't get mad. Just create your own. And I was like, sure, okay, let's do this. You know. No idea what a comic book, how to produce a comic book or how to do this or that or whatever. But you know what? In the beginning, it was it was hard. I wanted to quit a lot of times. But, you know, I started with a little comic book, came back next year to Comic-Con, shitting bricks, thought nobody was going to care. I was like, oh, my God, I have like 10 boxes full of comic books. I'm going to leave with 10 boxes full of comic books. It's going to be the saddest sight 
It's going to be me sitting on the comic book boxes like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we are. I, I I made a whole movie in my head. It was sad. That movie was sad, boy. <laughs> and I get there and there's a line and there's all kinds of people. It wasn't just Latinos. It was white people. It was Chinese. It was Indian. It was African-American. And everybody was super excited. And it wasn't just women. It was men, too. So I was like, wow, people do care and they do want different and they do want to hear other stories. They don't want to hear the same old story over and over and over again. And that has been my motivation since day one as far as creating Aluna, the superhero that I that I co-created. And yeah, it started out with a comic book. Then we licensed the game to an online video game that had already existed. But we were like, let's see, let's see if she if she if she gets picked, you know, and at her peak, she was being picked 90,000 times a day worldwide. And it didn't matter that she was a woman and it didn't matter that she was a Latina. All it mattered was that if you picked the Luna, you were going to kick ass in your world and you were going to win. And I was like, this is really cool. And, and when I, when I, when we were first creating Latina, I, I was conscious, believe it or not, back then I was conscious about creating something that would make women proud, not just Latinas, but all women, and that would expose indigenous people in a positive light. And that really would would make people understand that brown people, we have a very rich culture. We come from kings and queens and our own mythology. And yeah, we're mixed with, you know, conquistadors and Europeans and everything, but we have a very rich culture that it hasn't been explored or exploited in the right way yet. You know, when you, when you look at movies, it's always, you know, kings and queens from England and, and you see all the Greek mythology or whatever, but, you know, South American, Caribbean, Central and South American uh, ancient civilizations have a very rich mythology. And if you read about the things that they were able to do and and that they discovered, they sound like superheroes. I mean, I didn't have to really create very many powers for Aluna out of thin air. It was really like I would read a little bit of history and go like, these people believe they can consult a bowl of water and be in the past, present, and future at the same time? That's some superpower shit. <laughs> if I could be in the, in the past, present and future all at the same time you know how much heartache i could have saved myself <laughs> right <laughs> how much good i could have done and i and and i was just like wow I, so that's that's where the philosophy as far as for aluna has come is to really pay homage to a little bit of history culture um from the beginning i've been in uh, uh, very in touch with my culture being i was raised by my mom who's colombian and my grandmother and Colombian people here, especially in the States, uh, really retain their culture. They teach their kids Spanish. We eat Colombian food. Um, but we are also huge fans of Caribbean people. Hence the reason why my mother probably moved to Spanish Harlem, where, where you saw a lot of Puerto Rican and Dominican people. And that's why a lot of people thought in the beginning that I was Puerto Rican or Dominican because all my friends were Puerto Rican and Dominican. Pretty much. What part so, of Colombia are you from? Maybe. Or your family's from? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, so you're from uh, Okay. Yeah. And, and, but I also have a lot of, of family and brothers 
brothers that I discovered along the way, <laughs> have brothers that I discovered along the way that also live in Bogota. But but yeah, most of my family is from Medellin. And I, I'm, so I've been very in touch with my culture. And even when I was navigating um, white Hollywood, right, at the time, I would I would bring that flavor because it would just come out of me naturally. And it was I it was a plus, I would say, in the beginning. Then there was a moment there where it was like, oh, okay, I'm just a Latina actress. That's weird. Okay. I thought I was just an actor. But then, right. you know what? Then after that, I started using it and going, you know what? Yeah. I guess it is what it is. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And, and I have a lot of interest in, in the Caribbean. I have a lot of interest in Colombia. Um, I also know the Mexican culture very well. And that's why... I think throughout my career, I've been casted pretty much every facet of lat Latinaness you can think of. I've been Mexican, I've been South American, I've been Puerto Rican. Tell us about your show on Netflix, On My Block. On Netflix, I play a Mexican mom, right? And um, I haven't gotten any hate mail that, that, that I don't sound Mexican or that I don't look like a Mexican mom or that I don't act like it. So hopefully my hard work um, has paid off because I really do try to be very respectful of La Raza, you know, you have to be respectful because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, I saw the show, I saw an episode and you did good. Thank you. you. Did good. Thank you. Right? My husband is a huge fan of that show. He loves it. Oh, yeah. Are you, yeah. <laughs> Are you coming back for season four? So we do not know yet if we have a season four. Um, we were supposed to be announced you know, during this time, but coronavirus happened. And I think Netflix is just being very careful. Um, because um, as far as I know, we we really can't be in production yet. I, you know, I know some things are started have started to, to open up. But um, I have a feeling that the producers of and writers of, of, of on my block are trying to rework some things maybe to if if there is going to be a season four so that we could maybe possibly shoot it safely but if you watch our show i think i think the one thing that you will realize is that it's a true ensemble a mm -hmm. lot of the a lot of the scenes involves everybody mm -hmm. in, dinner table in one room yeah yeah talking over each other and like you know and it's usually my house right <laughs> you know? Um, so, so yeah, uh, it, it, it seems a little difficult, but I know that, uh, our writers and producers are extremely creative and, um, I'm so, I'm so blessed to be on that show. That show, uh, that show happened to me at a moment where I needed again, like a, a little bit of a oomph, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I had my son, I had my son, uh, oof, it's going to be seven years ago now and <laughs> he's going to be seven in November. And when I had my, when I got pregnant with my son, I worked my whole pregnancy. So I don't know if you guys know, but I did Devious Maids, pregnant. I did, because uh, yeah, a lot of people think that I, I wasn't, you know, um, they know that I'm Flora, right? Mm -hmm. And they know that I got killed in the, in the pilot, but they forget that I came back a lot. Yeah. For a season. <laughs> I worked I remember. That was a good season. show. Yeah. <laughs> So I remember when Mark Cherry like called my agent and stuff, and I got I got uh, offered that part. 
I was like so happy. I was like, yay! Because, you know, I, I went for one of the series regulars and, uh, you know, I didn't get it. But the right person got it. Edie Ganem got, got the part. I don't, I've never actually said that to anybody, but I, I, I think you guys are the first. Uh, Edie Ganem and I went for the same part. And, and the right person got it because she was brilliant on the show. And I, and I actually love what she did with the character. She was the right person for it. Um, but I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't get it. Da, da, da. And then um, Mark Cherry did one of the most amazing things, like called my agent and said, she's just such an amazing actress. You know, things didn't happen for her for this for this part. But, man, we're thinking of making her Flora. And, yes, yeah, she's going to die <laughs> the first episode. But... You have no idea the trouble and the havoc she wreaked, and she's going to come back in flashbacks. And I was like, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, that's cute. You're giving me the part that, where the girl dies in the first episode. All right, whatever. But you can't say no to Mark Cherry because you're, like, hoping. You, I, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do the best death ever, and he's going to fire me again and again and again. He hasn't hired me again, but <laughs> How was I, that? I was a lesson, though. But I was a huge fan of his. I mean, Desperate Housewives, and you know, then you then you hear little rumors that Eva Longoria is gonna direct you, and you're like, what? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Because I'm a huge. Um, I don't know about. I, I I can't speak for other uh, Latinas in Hollywood, but uh, for myself, I am such a huge fan of of everyone else. You know, like. You bring J Lo around me and forget it. I'll be I'll be crazy. And then you bring you know Selma Hayek and Penelope Cruz. I think even more. I think I'll cry if I meet Penelope Cruz. I haven't gotten to meet her. Um, but I, I'm I'm just in. I I'm I'm. You're I'm proud. Fan, I'm a yeah. fan of talent. I love mm-hmm. talent. And then when and then if it's a Latina woman, it's like yes, you know, like it's mm-hmm. more powerful for me. Um. Anyway, so when I when I did do um Devious Maids, it was just a. a a great experience for me, honestly, um, to be able to work in an ensemble cast that included all Latinas, and in and in such a powerful way, like with a with a huge writer, director, showrunner, like my Mark Cherry, and it was and it was really cool. I, but but because I was recurring, my darn luck, I didn't get to be directed by Eva Longoria. So. Aww. I've, I've met her a couple of times in different events, uh, but I, I've never gotten to work with her. So it, it's, it was like a little bit sad. <laughs> Do you ever think, Paula, about bringing um, maybe Aluna into like the big screen eventually? And maybe you can maybe work with Eva and you guys both make that happen together? You never know. So let me tell you something. I've been very inspired by all these uh, Latina actresses doing other things behind the cameras. I mean, obviously, I can't, I can't say that I haven't tried to do things behind the cameras. I have, and I've, and I've gotten it done. Um, but I haven't been able to get, you know, Aluna as far as like Aluna the TV series yet. But uh, that is definitely the goal. Um, I can't tell you specifically right away yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I will tell you this. Quarantine, I have not stood still. I have been, uh, how can I put this? I have been self-educating. And my self-education with other help, I have, I've had professors that are renowned in this area that I'm going to mention, 
I am working towards being a director behind the camera, obviously, and uh, specifically a TV director. And um, this journey started because uh, last season on, uh, on my block, on season three, Netflix and my showrunner, Lauren uh, Unerick, gave me the opportunity to shadow two directors. Mm-hmm. And I shadowed and I did homework and my homework wasn't bad. It was actually quite good. <laughs> <laughs> um, that um, I think, hopefully, uh, Netflix is going to give me an opportunity to direct. So I can't say specifically when. I can't say for a fact, yes. But I am, I am, I am confident. How about that? <laughs> I am confident. Well, so, go ahead. Props to you because what what I'm taking away. I we always love to like grab those gems with our guests, and one one of those gems I feel is that you keep going for it. You keep learning. You're not scared to ask because I'm sure you went and asked, "Hey, can I shadow the director?" It, was that something that you asked, and you were bold enough to just Go for it, or so, so. So since you already told me I look young and look cute, I'm gonna be bold and tell you guys how long I've been acting, right? So if you do your math and go on my IMDb, it says I've been acting since '89, in a professional manner, right? My I think uh, my first gig probably is Law and Order or one of those shows like that back in '89, right? We do the math. That's 30 plus years that I've been working. It's taken me 30, and you guys, I guess you guys by now could tell I have a big mouth, right? Like I've, you know, I'm one of those people. Yeah, we like it. My abuelita told me, if you don't ask, you don't get. And like, honestly, that always stuck in my head, right? Your abuelita's right. I have always, you are absolutely, Gabby, you're, you're, you're both really smart. But Gabby, yes, you asked me something really cool. And that is that I have always asked. The sad part is that it's taken me 30 years. The happy part is that somebody finally listened. And guess what? It was a woman who listened to me. And mm. guess what? It was a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of white, white women are getting some slack right now. And I'm going to let you guys know that we cannot put those labels. And ladies, let's not put those labels on each other. Especially if we're brown girls, we can't do it to black women and we can't do it to white women and we can't do it to each other. I won't accept it. I won't accept it because honestly, it has been constantly in my life, the women that have been the angels that have saved my life. Some of my first bosses that gave me jobs that really like, I'm talking save my life where I, where you know, in the beginning, those checks where you're like, damn, I'm not going to make my rent. But then somebody gives you a job and you're like, oh, my God, I could pay my rent and I could actually get something cute and maybe go out to dinner and it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and some of my first bosses were African-American women that, oh, man, they taught me some amazing lessons, some amazing lessons. And I'm still today, uh, there's some executives over at Netflix who are African-American who all they do is listen to me and my dreams and my hopes and they listen and do something about it. But, um, but this, this very specific dream, which is to be a director, um, really started because, um, 
the cre one of the creators and the showrunner of On My Block, which her name is Lauren Unerick. And yes, she's a white lady. <laughs> um, she listened to me. And the reason why I think On My Block is the show that it is, okay, as frustrating as that may be, because, you know, it's reality. We get a little frustrated that some of our stories get told by, by not us, by, you know, producers that are not necessarily Latinos. Um, she listens, man. She listens. She has obviously taken the time and obviously respects the fact that she doesn't know everything about our culture and listens to her cast. And she listens to her experts, which are other Latino writers, right? And she hires Latino writers and she hires African-American writers and she listens. And she says, okay, th that's a, that I, I didn't know that. And, that's, and we're going to talk about that. And if you think it, you think that has a little funny moment where we can make fun of that, let's do it. And that's basically how she works. And I think that's one of the big first big lessons is that as a TV director, you don't need to know everything. The one thing you need to know is that actors want to be heard and listened to. So you just gotta listen and 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 they want to be seen and 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 heard. And so so with actors in particular particular I want to direct them that way where I'm gonna listen to them I'm gonna see them and make sure I'm a big cheerleader and also lead lead your team with positivity and love right and give room for there to be uh, fun because you know we're in this to have fun and to entertain and also to know that something also to to really know let everybody know that you don't know everything to you lean on your experts you have visual effects people there that know everything about special effects you have pe all your editors there who are who edit everything better than you you have camera people you'll have your dp the only the only thing that I, a good director is there to do is li literally listen and be a humble leader, like be a leader where it's like, thank you for this opportunity for allowing me to be here to lead this team and and lead with positivity and try to inspire people to do their best. I, those are the best directors that I've worked with when they when I feel like I'm seen and they're actually they actually think that my idea was okay then. Then I then I want to engage and listen to them, and, then and it makes you a better actor. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why on my block does does well. I think that's what the, one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, there's many reasons, but um, uh, all the all the all the all the scripts are really well written. The actors are really good. Um, the kids are like amazing. Like the kids are super funny. Um, Everyone really respects the fact that they're there to make sure that that these kids look like heroes, like their own heroes, like that they look like smart people, even though they're making mistakes or whatever, you know. And even if the situations are outrageous, everything is always based on something real that could happen. And the real moments are always played very real, like the shooting of my son. That was like nobody took that lightly you know it was a very real moment and people people thought like oh my god you know ruby's not gonna survive there's not gonna be there's gonna be an on my block without ruby that's crazy you know and that was all very intentional and um anyway so go going back to um uh netflix and the creators and producers of on my block they're all very very giving people 
um, I voiced again after 30 years. I mean, I've, I've been doing it for 30 years. For 30 years, I've, I always had like ideas like, yeah, I would love to shadow and see if I want to direct one day to see if I'm good at it or whatever. But nobody ever gave me the opportunity until now, until until Netflix and uh, the, the creators and writers of On My Block. So that's a great takeaway. That's a great takeaway. Like, just don't, don't give up. Don't give up. No, no. Don't give up. I mean, we, and, and you're right. We do live in a culture where, like, there's a lot of, obviously, sexism. Uh, not only in the entertainment business, but in, in all businesses uh, across the board. So, yeah, I mean, any, any girl boss out there who thinks that it's going to be, like, easy, it, it's no matter what business you're in, it's never going to be easy. I mean, even if you're like, I don't know, a doctor or a surgeon or whatever, it's like, it's never going to, it's never going to be, your work is never going to be done. Mm-hmm. You always, even as a doctor or a lawyer, you always have to keep reading, right? You always have to self-educate because things change, science change. Well, that's the, that's the thing with, with being in business for yourself. Things are always constantly moving, evolving, changing. And so you always have to keep self, you know, you have to self-educate. So even if you're, you know, I'm a mom of three, um, I have a husband, I have a very busy, you know, social life and family life, but I'm constantly reading and educating myself. And, um, you know, if it's, if it's on, if it's going to the gym and I'm in the treadmill, I'm reading something, I'm, I'm reading an article or reading a book or something about whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish at the time. So right now, if there was a gym that I was going to, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing the elliptical as much as I can in my own home. <laughs> but if you did, if you were a fly in the wall, I'm, I'm reading stuff about directing. So right you're now. maximizing all of your time, basically. I'm trying to yeah. all the time. Obviously, estoy un poquito enferma, I have ADD. <laughs> it's part of my therapy to keep busy. But... Um, but yeah, yeah, it's something that we should all do anyway. We should all be self-educating and taking, you know, I think this quarantine, ha- you know, obviously it's horrible and obviously all everything that's happening right now, it's, if you really look at it, it seems really bleak and, and hopeless sometimes. And I do think about people who don't have all the opportunities or money or whatever that I have. And I try to try to do some good and give back. But for those of us who can afford it, um, it's a good opportunity to self-reflect, um, to not just be so so selfish all the time and think about all the no's, but to also, you know, to also try to do something for your community in some capacity. Any capacity yeah. is, is a good thing. And to give back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can give back, you know, in the entertainment business or whatever. Right. You know, I could also donate to you know, a couple of charities and I work with a couple of charities and I donate time and things like that. But I, but I could also do something very real, which is like you said, Gabby, before I can hire people, Mm -hmm. I can actually make a difference that way. The way people like a Netflix is making a big difference for me also in a very big way, you know? Yeah. Open those doors, give opportunity to other people. And what, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, my legacy. Wow, that's that's a <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> that's a whammy. But you gotta dig deep. Tell me. My legacy. Um, you know, hopefully, I I want to be remembered 
by some, I, I want to remember, wow, that's a big one, but I guess I, I love what Gabby had said before, uh, which was um, that it seems like I'm somebody that doesn't give up, that is constantly searching and moving forward. Um, you know, the Madonnas of the world always seem to be like that. I mean, that lady is, what, 60-something years old, and she's still Rockin'. moving and grooving and, t you know, putting music out. And, and look at J. I mean, J-Lo, right? Like, J-Lo mm -hmm. is like, what, 50-something now, dare I say it? I mean, and she's still out there, and she's still doing her thing. And a lot of people complain. They're like, damn, J-Lo. <laughs> Leave some work for us, you know, like, retire. you can retire, but I understand why she won't. I understand why she won't because I think it's a, I think it's a search for, for just uh, enlightenment, love, understanding, really wanting that to leave a mark in the world. It's also because for such a long time, I felt unheard, unseen put in a box because, oh, she's just a cute Latina, right? She's just that cute, sexy Latina, blah, 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 you know? Um, so now, now I, it's really funny. You know what, Gabby um, and, and Alexandra? I'm going to take it back. So what an actor really wants usually is to be seen and heard, right? In any capacity. Some actors want fame. Some actors want a lot of money. Some actors just want to keep on keep on working. Um, I'm always shocked when I get cast in something because I always feel like I got away with some sort of scheme. And then I get, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm that in an audition for it. And like, that we all, we all suffer from that, from the imposter syndrome yes. of you know thinking, I mean? like, oh, did I really just do that? Yeah. They really yeah. didn't mean me. But like, they that did. happened to me with On My Black. When I got On My Black, I was like, wait, I'm not funny. Do they, <laughs> you're you super the funny. You're they so funny. They get the memo that I'm like a serious dramatic actress. <laughs> I do drama. You know? <laughs> they want me to cry. I could cry. But, <laughs> but I'm not funny. I'm not Brett Gray or Jessica Garcia. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not them people. But um, so yeah, I always, I always feel like, oh my god. <laughs> um, but, but. But the thing is, is that it's taken me 30 plus years in front of the camera, right? To wanting to be seen and heard in some capacity. And it's really now that I've gotten the opportunity to maybe go behind the camera that I feel like I'm really seen and heard. Mm. And, and that to me has been like really awakening. So yeah, I think my legacy is I want people to remember me as somebody that ha didn't give up, that didn't care that I was a woman, didn't care that I came from immigrants. I didn't care that I was a woman. I didn't care that I was Latina. I didn't care sometimes that maybe I wasn't Latina enough, right? Because we have that in our own culture. We didn't mm -hmm. touch the, that subject, but maybe next time. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard subject for us. That's a hard subject for us. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I wasn't Latina enough. Can you believe it? That's crazy. Because uh, we come in all different flavors and sizes and colors. Uh, anyway, and then also I want to be somebody that that is remembered by, that I didn't give up. Not even when I, I was told I was old. Oh, you're old. You're 40 something and you're trying to change your career? That's crazy. You know, so yeah, it's never, 
it's never too late to do anything. Honestly, any I don't want to sound corny, but honestly, like we should be teaching our kids. And this is something I try to teach my kids is that we dream big, dream big, shoot for the moon, the stars, Mars. I mean, look, we're about to go to Mars, people. <laughs> I, see, I am a geek. <laughs> Everybody was looking at news about the coronavirus, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a space flight to Mars. <laughs> I got a lot of ish from my friends because I was in- Instagramming it. Does anybody, is anybody, like, interested in SpaceX? Like, this is crazy. Everybody's like, there's a pandemic, Paula. <laughs> well, I mean, you haven't gone to space in a while, right? Oh, like us, America, right? We had gone no, through... No, you're right, Gabby. Mm-hmm. See, I think you're a geek, too. <laughs> you're right. We no, I think it. I'm not really that it smart. Was like 10 plus, it was like 10 plus years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but the budget for NASA is like... Well, yeah, they nothing. shut down They shut down the, the one here in Orlando or wherever, Cape Canaveral, whatever. They mm-hmm. shut it down. Like, no, there was no spaceships going up. Sad. Yeah, we need we need crazy ass people like Elon Musk, who's like, you know what? I think we need to commercialize space travel. And I'm like, yes, yes, (laughs) yes. I I don't want to get on a plane to go to L.A., but I'll go to space. (laughs) You give me space. I think we all want to go to space. So true. But Paul, you are a gem. You are such a light. You're so awesome. And honestly, you have taught you have taught us and everybody listening about resilience, not giving up, always reinventing yourself. Even us, because Alex and I, we're 40 and we're still trying to dream big and keep going and reinventing ourselves. We you know, I have other passions. I thought I was talking to 20 something Everyone no, no. thinks that. Everyone thinks no. that. No. <laughs> don't look our age neither do you honey yeah. you look i love oh my god that is crazy <laughs> oh my god you guys look amazing okay ya me dieron mil cachetadas. you guys gave me some cachetadas <laughs> then you turned me around and me dieron una patada así like in the booty and you're like all right bye adios pues yeah adios pues. <laughs> so we're all always trying to like yeah. we it's crazy because during the podcast we talk to so many young girls that are like killing it and they inspire us they do and that so but it's never too late that's why we always tell everybody like listen you can be in your 40s in your 50s in your 20s whatever you want to do just do it mm-hmm. yeah. i mean i will tell you this when you're young and cute you still you're you're not jaded yet right by like right. what life throws you so I do remember being 17, young and cute, thinking like, so what that I'm pregnant? So? <laughs> so? So what that I'm broke? You don't, you don't know. You don't know what's coming. You don't know that I'm going to be on a billboard in, on Sunset next to Michelle Pfeiffer? Please. And I used to be like, I mean, honestly, I wasn't specific like that, but I was like, you don't know. I'm going to be a Hollywood actress one day. You're going to see me on all these be- billboards, you know, because I had a, I had some haters in the hood, you know, and this and that. And they were like, eh, you messed up. You messed up your career. You got your belly now and your man left you and blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, because all the all this stuff happened to me. Right. And I was like, but that's because you don't know. You don't know what's coming. You don't know. I know what's coming. 
But I think, you know, you're a little delusional too when you're young. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's part of why you are where you are because you have that vision for yourself. And you, you know, and what we speak, our tongue is so important. It's like very powerful. So we have to keep in mind that we have to always talk positive and no matter, you know, no matter how impossible we may think it is, it could be possible. So why not? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's why I think it's so important what you, Gabby and Alexandra are doing as far as like having this girl boss podcast, because it's just it, it really you are absolutely right about that. You really do have to say it out loud. Because you, you, I mean, I don't know about everybody else. And, um, and yes, I'm a little crazy, but I talk to myself all day long. All oh, day yeah. long, I'm giving myself pep talks, right? Like, you have to. Alexandra, as I, a young girl, I, no. seven old, I talk to myself. Your, oh, girl, yeah. You are giving yourself some pep talks. I am. <laughs> I am. I remember those days. I know you are. Yeah. So, but we all do, right? But I think it's really important to sit. You are absolutely right. Words are really powerful. And you have to say them out loud because other people have to hear them. Because we are human beings. We do get validation from feedback. And when you do say things on a podcast like this, and then you get feedback from, like, like you said, from beautiful young girls that are hoping and dreaming to accomplish some of the things that you have been lucky enough to accomplish, it just, it comes full circle for me. Mm -hmm. It really does. It's also part of like understanding, oh, cool. I think I still resonate. I, I still connect, right? Because it's, we, we all want to connect. And especially now, I mean, geez, everything that's been happening right now that we're forced to be apart from each other in order to be safe, right? In mm -hmm. order to keep each other safe. It's super important to be conscious about what you're spreading, you know, and hopefully what you're spreading <laughs> is not the virus and it's positivity, right? <laughs> Honestly, sometimes the stuff that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, really? You did not intend to do that or say that, but oh well. <laughs> well <laughs> where can people yeah, keep in touch with you and like follow you and find out what's next for you? So if you dare. <laughs> <laughs> we dare. Um... So my Instagram is the real Paula Garces, right? Because somebody else has Paula Garces, and they're living quite the fabulous life, but it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be very bored and say the real Paula Garces. Um, again, on Twitter, the same thing. Paula Garces one is me, because Paula Garces again fabulous, but it's not me. <laughs> and uh, on Facebook, official Paula Garces. And okay, please, and and you know, and if you do want to help me, because I still need help, and you still and you wanna and you wanna be part of this movement, which is the Aluna Superhero Movement, please uh, follow uh, at Aluna Superhero on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Um, the books are not expensive, and they're really cool. You can you can purchase the books, and we didn't even talk about the video game. I mean, the video game is about to drop. So so yeah. Long story short, she was part of another online video game, and now we've been able to procure her own 
video game. So she's going to rest on that. So when does that come out? It's coming out soon, right? It's coming out very soon. You know, because of coronavirus, it really hasn't been up to us. It's the PlayStations, Xboxes. I can't even I can't even believe I'm saying this. Nintendo's and Steam. Um, It it has been up to them uh, because um, for anybody who produces video games, they know what I'm talking about. There's testing involved. And so we're still in the testing phase. So we finished the game. We did our part. I did my voiceover and I poured my heart and soul into what weapons she would have and what the artwork would look like. And the story follows very closely to what the comic book does. Uh, but as far as like the technical aspect of it and the, the actual um, video game, um, it's being tested by, by Nintendo, uh, PlayStation and Xbox which are which all love it so far and so yeah it's going to drop but I I don't have a definite date yet but it, it shouldn't be more than the fall it should okay. probably, you know hopefully in the fall and so yeah if you guys want to support of course we look forward to that that's the yeah. first Latina superhero out yeah. there amazing yes. support everyone listening has to support Aluna Everyone, I feel like all of us have a little Aluna in us. So we're all superheroes in our own right. So we definitely are going to support. Thank you. So yeah, any RPG gamers, uh, please visit our page on Steam and wishlist her. But honestly, um, you guys will love the books. Uh, You will really, really love the books. They're romantic. There's action, adventure. There's mysticism. There's a little bit of history. Um, I think think people... uh, the more people read it, I think the more of a chance there's for a TV show to happen. So, yeah, I'm trying to push it. I'm trying to do my part. Now it's up to the audience. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, make sure to follow The Real Paula Garces on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. And um, check out Aluna. Make sure to go cop your comic book. And then once once it's a video game, everyone go support. Yes, the video game will be Sentinel of the Shards. And it's going to be available everywhere. You'll see it. If you have PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo, you'll see it. So please buy it. Again, it won't be expensive either. Uh, we really just want the masses to have it. And I wore my I Love No Hate t-shirt today. Oh, thank um, you. So, yeah, please, no hate. All love. All love. Thank you, Paula. It was thank a pleasure. You. So great thank to talk guys. to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was very exciting for me. And you guys are like, you guys are bosses. Bosses. So thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for giving us the time and for sharing your story. It's definitely going to inspire so many. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Besitos. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Till next time. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.